Welcome to a Drop Tent Media Production. What's up, everybody? Albert here with Seriously Dad. Today we got Jim Bryan, the father, the godfather of comedy in Hanover, Pennsylvania at the Church of Satire. He's got five kids, 13 goats, and he's out there killing it. Enjoy. Seriously Dad. Seriously Dad. Seriously Dad. Two father comedians out of Philadelphia. Seriously Dad. Dad. Seriously Dad. Back with Seriously Dad. I'm excited this week. Uh, Albert and I had a little voyage, a couple trips. When we thought about doing this podcast, it's because we were on a long road trip out to <laughs> we had Hanover, ran out of, we, we Pennsylvania. We ran out of things to talk about. I think we ran out of things to talk about. Going to this amazing <laughs> little club known as Church of Satire. And today we have the man behind the vision, Mr. Jim Bryan. Welcome, welcome, Jim Bryan. What's up, everybody? How are you, brother? Yeah, that was a long voyage. That was. That was a long voyage from the Philadelphia area out there. That was very scenic. And I will say, worth it. I will always say that about it. Yeah, absolutely worth it, yes. Because I've, you know, how many open mics I go to, but like, whoa, like Darnell and Tom, uh, who who run a lot of that of the day-to-day when Jim's not around, like, like they're in 100%. It's like... The well, they run that mic completely. Yeah, like they completely run that mic. I don't do a whole lot at that mic. That's that's that that's really Darnell's thing and Tom's thing together. Uh, well, hats off to those. Yeah, they yeah honestly, because if it makes it, it makes it worth it. Job. It's like it feels like a show. It's like you know, and half the time you're in like the corner of a bar somewhere where we normally would yeah. be, and it like feels like a somebody's funeral. Here we are in a church, and it feels like a celebration. I believe there's a light show sometimes. Like the lights. Oh yeah, right? he goes all out. Yeah. yeah, they got the 4K camera, the camera in the yeah. back. You don't yeah. even have to worry about propping your phone somewhere awkward. Like, yeah, I'm down. Dude. Yeah, well, I remember you guys talking about it. I was like, that sounds that place sounds amazing. I'm definitely going to be open like there. Yeah, it sounds yeah. Great. So, t- t- I'm interested about the Church of Satire just because like you started right. Was it right before the world shut down or? We we open well. I mean, it started as like producing pop up shows, right? I mean, this goes back to like 2017, probably. Uh, so I mean, it was it was performing on wood pallets in front of a king size bed sheet in vape <laughs> shops and wineries, and you know wherever they would let us do it, uh, and then. I got the club. Well, I mean, I, I got the space that the club's in now in 2018 and I guess like the end of 2018. So we opened in December of 2018. So we were open for like a full year before March, 2020. When, when you were doing the pop-ups, so like, were, did you have like a, a core of people who kind of worked with you or were on your team mm-hmm. and all that stuff? Yeah. It's a and different guys- crew. I mean, it's not the same guys that are, that are with me now. Uh, you know, because people, people move on, right? I mean, yeah, they, they yeah. find out that, uh, you know, producing local comedy shows is a waste of time. So they'll go and they'll get like, you know, the, if job opportunities come up, like you don't stand in people's way, you know, that there's a transient sort of like, you're going to take the help when you yeah. can, because like, you're not making any money. Like people are doing it for the enjoyment for, for the game. you know, for yeah. building different skills, uh, and to take those skills elsewhere. Um, so I had a good chord at the very beginning there. And then when I, uh, when we went to the, 
you know, to the club itself, to the brick and mortar building. Um, you know, we started a change and then probably I'd say um, you'd have to add, honestly, you'd have to ask Darnell and Tom uh, when they got really started. Darnell a little bit before Tom, uh, Tom probably maybe like a year ago. So, you know, those guys have been integral. They were integral during the time when the club had to close. I mean, they were very much involved with a lot of the recovery um, initiatives that we did to kind of stay afloat. We can't ask for two better guys. I really found what you just said interesting, like about the people who, you know, like as things go, people move on, but you were like, they take those skills and they use them elsewhere. I was like, that's such <laughs> that's a very great, true. That is very it's true. so true because you're right. Like there are like, it's not just, Oh, I'm trying to get up and tell a dick joke in front of some people. The fact that you're even getting up in front of people and being the sole person to speak. Some people would rather die than do that. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's, I mean, then then they're taking all measure of skills. I mean, some of them are taking skills that they learned uh, with like using audio equipment. And right. maybe, you know, we had one, uh, Pat, who you guys know at the club, he's the photographer. Yeah. Um, Pat's been there the whole time, even from the pop-up show days. Uh, but uh, his son was working on the, in the early days, you know, running sounds and like a lot of the skills he learned by just sort of like flying by the seat of your pants to put together these, these makeshift comedy shows. He was like DJing weddings and stuff with some of the skills that he picked up. And it's That's like, awesome. you know, these guys, you can't just like hold people hostage so that you can run your comedy shows when, when they, when it's time for them to move on, it's, you know, as the business owner, it's my job to find new people. It's not my job to make them feel bad for, yeah. for finding something else. Right. Like I gotta, I gotta find somebody else. It's all good. No hard feelings. So, um, like right now the guys I got and the crew I got right now with Macy and Tom and Darnell and Pat, and I mean, it's really, you know, it's pretty amazing. So I'm pretty when, thankful for them. When you got rocking on that, when you were doing like the, um, the pop-ups and stuff, were you, were you the only deal in town? Were you the first person in that area to attempt to do this and do this? Or was like the concept torched off was it passed down to you was it something um i I think this kind of like maybe a little yes and no because there was um there's never really been a lot going on here in this area uh, in terms of live entertainment besides bands um but there was like a little cafe that did a comedy night on like saturdays like you know like maybe twice a month here in hanover and it was great it's where the club is located now uh okay but um, so it was like a really cool and great thing that we were able to find. Uh, but um, hold on one second, fellas. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Hey, and by the way, um, she's going to say that it was 241, but it's not. It was 24 hours. She didn't read the thing right. She never got it taken. For what? For her blood sugar. Oh, there's no, there's Miles no. had five goals. Right on. All right, sorry about that, guys. I'm having like a conversation on this stupid blood sugar machine. I have no idea how to work, and I like, I like called my wife at the lacrosse game, and I was like, "Dude, you left me with hardware. Like, I don't know how to check this lady's blood sugar. Like, what am I supposed to do with this thing? Like, shove in her ear? Like, what?" So this woman, he's like got some dimension shit, and she's like, "I'll show you how to use it." And I was like, "This is totally not going to be right." Uh, so I called my wife, and I was like, "Honestly, like." She's almost 90 years old. Like, she'll be okay for an extra 45 minutes, you know, uh, <laughs> to get her blood sugar. So, meanwhile, she's like double fisting bags of potato chips and stuff. So, like, I don't know. Dude. She's going to like break some friggin' Dave and Buster's diabetes <laughs> record for their score, dude, like some hoop game. 
that was a uh, that was a real time dad moment, right? That, that, just, was. that was all real. That was great. Uh, yeah. Oh yeah. Real time. Real time. Here I am. I'm on. A, I'm on a dad podcast, having missed one of my kids' sporting events. I was like, dude, it's too cold outside. It's a scrimmage. It's Once we go, you know. exactly. my daughter just started deck hockey today. So she was deck hockey. I remember deck hockey. They don't have that up here. So, yeah, they just started. Well, she actually she started yesterday. She had to go get fitted and get some of the gear. And then they do evaluation so that the teams are like the fair. draft is like, the draft. yeah, whatever. I was like, whatever. Like, she's upright. That's the best you're going to get out of her. And she hated it yesterday. Apparently, they were just doing stick work and it was not working for her. And my mother took her. But today, apparently, she just sent a text. It's going really well, so she's happy. But that's it, because kids got to stick with something. Like, you know, have your kids ever done that, where, like, they start something, and then they immediately want to quit? Oh, my gosh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And have uh, you let them, or did you, like... like? No, that mine have all been in lacrosse since they were in, like, kindergarten. So, you know, the other one that was at the game today, she plays, like, I don't even know, dude. She's in basketball. She's in field hockey. She's in... Uh, lacrosse it's like she's not even really around anymore i didn't even make her dinner she's like not even, <laughs> she's never <laughs> never know what so she's up to yeah, so you, it sounds like like me like your wife must be amazing like is your wife like command central there or what oh yeah she's norad when it comes <laughs> to like the scheduling dude, in our house that's a dude i i don't know if you guys were electrics like my wife's with google calendar like our whole life is like if Google. Oh no, no, mine isn't. Mine, mine is like sometimes I swear I'm gonna find her like using a rooster feather to write shit on the calendar. <laughs> she won't go anywhere near electric. She, you know, she just she's got these big giant calendars in our house. It's like oh my gosh, she's like an old school bookie. She's like, all right, where's my notebooks? Where's <laughs> yeah, my that's exactly what it looks like. She's got like a fistful of receipts when she's like running around the house. You know? I prefer a paper calendar. No, that's Mark because then like you should because then you know as long as you don't lose it. See, I do both. Like I have one on my phone and then I write it onto my calendar on my desk at the club. Problem with me is is like I don't put things in the calendar probably <laughs> as effectively as I should. Yeah. So there's a lot of important things that don't fall on either of my systems. And then I just look like an idiot, you know, there's no foolproof. So that's the hard thing. At the end of the day, we got to train our, it's like, I had to really set the, set the behavior, set the patterns. Like my kids in their playroom. I don't know, but you're like, they won't keep their shit clean. Like I, like you have to stand over them or like, yeah. so, but those are the same things. Like I'm, so no wonder if I'm, if I'm going around crazy and can't figure it out, then no wonder that some of my kids are doing that. I try to always give habit. myself a cushion. Like I kind of always like, cause I, I have the same problem as you. I, the input, I, I'll look at the calendar. I'll be like, Oh, put that in, in the calendar, but I'll never sometimes not put it on Pull the calendar, the but I'll, I'll, I'll be like, you know what? Three o'clock to say I can do it. No, I'm just going to like build in a cushion. So you just automatically. Oh, cushion. I always yeah, it's always scheduled with a cushion. So when I do have an oh shit moment, I still may have like thirty minutes. Are like, you the one that they have to tell the time? The time of the party is like a different time, so that you're on time. No, no, they don't have to do that. Oh, okay, they don't have good. to. I'm not that. I, I'm actually very seldom late. Oh yeah, that's cool. That's uh, you guys are good, man. I'm the worst. I gotta like. I have a. I have a private note in my phone with all of the kids' friends' addresses. So that I can stop asking my wife, like, hey, where's that kid live again? <laughs> and she's house? she's like, you've been there 20 times, you know? And I'm like, oh, my gosh, I don't remember. <laughs> so now I have like a – I got like a running list in my phone where I can like go through their friends. It's got all their addresses. I just tap it and I put it in the GPS because I'm terrible at that stuff. And it's done. You know, you can do, you, know you can do that in ways also, right? <laughs> you can actually – 
go to someone's house and then like save it. And drop a pin. Drop a pin. Drop a pin or whatever they yeah, call it. Yeah. Go. Yeah. I don't use Waze, man. I don't like Waze. Waze is like a video game. I love Waze. Yeah. Like, if I'm not cool. driving, that's like a, it's like playing a video game. I like that you can make the like you know you can make the voices fun. But uh, <laughs> it, to me, I've just, I don't know, man. It seems un, for me, I've like run into problems with it. Yeah. I don't really use people, it. Well, you draw the line. People draw the line on what they're, if they're a Google person or whatever. Yeah, yeah. That's it's about whatever gets me to A to B and I don't have to think. I'm, I'm down. So you, yeah, so I just want to follow the blue line, you yeah. know. So, so let me ask you this. You got all these kids. You have, you have a ton of kids. You have a lot of kids. How many kids you got? Five. What's Five the age three. range? Uh, I got my oldest will be 16 in a couple of weeks. And then um, the next one will be, she's 14 now, but she'll be 15 right after him. So they're like almost exactly a year apart. His birthday is ninth and eighth grade or what? Yeah. 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 Um, No, 10th and ninth grade. Sorry. Um, Yeah. Shit. You're going to put me on the spot. I haven't remembered particulars. Oh my gosh. Just sounds like I'm at the farm. So far we got three more to go. You can grab your notebook. I'm sure you got that on the page in there too. But uh no, um, so yeah, so right now, I mean, we've got birthdays coming up. So like it's 15, 14, 13, 11, and 10. Uh, All right. But uh, like with birthdays coming, you know, because it's two in April, one in July, one in August. So everyone's going to like level up here by the end of the summer in terms of years. But that's the age range. Um how are you managing all this? So they're all playing sports. They're all active. Are you Are you guys driving them everywhere? Or do you yeah, like nonstop. Places and stuff? No, we got to drive everywhere. It's a nightmare. It's uh, like I got one show on the calendar this whole month, and then I got this with you guys, and that's the only two things I have on my schedule for all of March. Yeah, in absolutely. April, it's more or less the same. I got like two shows in April, and uh, I got like two in May, three in May tops. And it's strictly because this is like such an overwhelming uh, commitment with the kids in sports. It's crazy, man. Mm-hmm. Like they yeah. should tell you at the beginning. This is something <laughs> somebody should like, tell me. Can you de- dedicate well, X and how of long? Hours a week well, the sixteen-year-old, the one that's going to be sixteen, they'll be able to drive soon. Yeah, he ain't interested. I just had this conversation what? with him and my oh, wife. Man. He's like, it's like not something that like is like a huge interest. In. My other two, my daughters are like, we can't wait. But he's like, eh, whatever. He's like, like oh, I, man, got I, I got my dad. I got my dad. How many, how many hours? <laughs> if, if one of your kids got their license and be and could start moving, helping transport the others, how many hours would that give back to you in your personal life, like throughout the course of a week? Oh my god, I don't know. I, I mean, you figure there are some days where we've got it worked out to like everybody is like loaded in a vehicle, and it's like you know we'll drop one kid off at one location, and then 15, 20 minutes later we're going right to the. So like you could make a case that if one was driving, they could handle a great deal of it, man. Like I would have a lot of free time. I mean, I'm sure it, I'm sure it would be occupied with like some the neighbor other. kids, like you, the other kids on the team to be like, oh, I drop them off, but yeah, Jimmy's mom brings them well, home. Well, think about it, like two years, he's gonna have, you're gonna have two licenses. Hopefully, yeah, well, eligible. Yeah. Doesn't that would sound be that like would it. be like game changing shit right there, brother. Well, I know. Well, I gotta get them like a beater or something, or I get the beater and they get the car. Because once two or three of them are driving, like then I could probably just leave. Yeah. <laughs> 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 yeah, I think I think you're right. I think I think that's the rules. I think that's how it works. You just get to roll out. Like there's a high there's a high probability that if someone's if if somebody else is doing the driving, that they might they might I might get a text like a week later. 
to be like, all right, where, where are you at? (laughs) Are you on your way home? You know? That's uh, what my wife tracks me on our iPhone, so she knows. She, you can't where fuck around. I am, yeah. What's yeah, no, a, I got like beater now, so I'm pretty much. No, say, what do they cost nowadays? Like, what what would a beater car cost for like a 16 year old first I mean, car? You probably it, get one for like. Well, five? listen, man. I gotta be honest with you, dude. I think like, more I don't know how I feel about putting my kid in a beater. I drove. That was the next thing I was yeah. gonna say. Yeah, I, I drove some really unsafe vehicles. <laughs> uh, when I was younger, like I can remember like lining people's pockets to get inspection certificates, like just wow. in make it pass, make it. Yeah. Like I shouldn't have even bald tires and stuff like, yeah. so I, I think I would probably buy the beater and let my kid drive the safe vehicle. Yeah. I think that may, I think that's pretty much. Standard. So I don't know what, like maybe 2,500 bucks. Car, for a beater. Yeah. I'm sure. You maybe. Could. I mean, it right person. Be, it would be terrible, I'd imagine. See, I, but, I feel like when I was younger, you could get like a like a when my friends and then we all started driving. I feel like you wait, could get like a does, Pontiac Bonneville for like does 20, ninety year old five hundred. Yeah, know, be a nice car. Dude, my first vehicle was seven hundred bucks. Seven hundred. Yeah. Yeah, no, so, yeah, back in the day, twenty five hundred yeah. would have been a pretty hot pretty whip nice. for a sixteen year old. Heck yeah, now it would be oh pretty. God, pretty yeah, low, yeah, you right? could have had like a used Mustang when yeah, I was. Yeah, you had a nice. Well, does, like, does, does, does our ninety year old grandma have a car still that she's not using anymore? Oh like, yeah, that's a good question. Oh no! Oh my you god! Just transfer the title for a dollar. No, yeah, she doesn't have anything. There was the other grandma before she passed away. There was like a Ford Taurus wagon, and I was yeah. like, the the one, well, my grandma had the one with the the paneling on the side that was like the wood, and then if you sat in the back, you faced like out. Yo, to me, like me and my friend Dana talk about this all the time. You remember that back seat when you were looking, and you're looking at and, the and person the driving by. <laughs> yeah. Yo, what a fucked up thing! How creepy was like you're staring at this person driving, and you're on like a and road you're the, that definitely you can't the first pass. to die. Yeah, I think Brian Regan has a great joke. Yeah, yeah, you're, yeah the first, you're the first it's, to die. You, you, I remember how? Yeah, yeah, that shit was crazy, man. Yeah, those station wagons were wild. They had like a Pizza Hut booth in the back. Leather seats and shit. Yeah, yeah, nobody. Yeah, they were wild. They're great, though. They're so cool. One of my buddies had them, and they were so back heavy that like you could rip wild donuts in those. You know, (laughs) it was like a a Ghostbusters vehicle. Yeah, it was like a pendulum when you would get around the corners with that thing. It was fun. Wait, how much of the how much of this side of dad did your kids get to see now that they're like older? Because I figure like. Our, his and his and I, like Alan, my kids are like real young. Like where my oldest is nine, yours is eight. Yeah. So it's like, do you like do you sh- get to share? Like, oh yeah, we used to whip around and do like. Oh hell like, no! Oh my god! Oh man. no! Okay. I don't even want to plant the seeds in their head because, frankly, I don't even know how I made it. Um, <laughs> and but but I got you know like whatever, dude. You guys aren't that far off in age than I am. I'd imagine yeah. like you know I it was kind of like. It's kind of like Stranger Things growing up, like that lifestyle. Yeah. yeah. Like just hitting the bikes and going out and like jumping off shit. And, you know, like our parents didn't know where we were. Jumping off bridges and shit. And and like nobody's parents did. Yeah, exactly. The woods, like constantly in the woods. Yeah. Jumping off. Like, dude, Mike. Swimming in the rivers and shit. Right. You ever do that shit? Yeah, dude. Kids don't jump off stuff, man. No, that's right. Well, my daughter asked to go outside and I had a moment where I'm like, are you allowed? Like, you're nine. Are you allowed to like? You should be What's allowed. The rule like, like I just went out, but like she's asking me, and and she just wants to dig outside in the backyard and look for worms. Like that's all she did. She's a creature of habit, so I know where she's gonna be. So it's no. Pro- but I had a moment where I was like, "Are you? You're you're allowed, right?" And it wasn't because I didn't think like 
like I didn't think it was okay. It's because it's the world is so different now. Like I had a, uh, yeah, yeah, another yeah. comedian, Steve Rinaldi. He uh, he just got married and his wife had had a son from a prior marriage. And so now he has a stepson who's 11 and he's, they moved out in Morgantown. So it's kind of like, it's not walkable. It's like highway, but yeah, it's kind yeah, of yeah. country. So he wanted to walk to the sheets and it was like, he was like, you can't do that. It's dangerous. And like his mom who grew up in Russia was like, Oh, that's no big deal. You can grow. We grew up in the country. You just cross the road. And yeah. And it was just funny how, like, sometimes the world is so different that things that I wouldn't have thought were a big deal, Stranger Things style, you can't get away with in 2023 in some places. Nah, definitely not. I, I agree with you, Jim. We, I was, we, when I was younger, we were reckless as can be. Yeah. And being, say you said, like, you're surprised you made it. We did some dumb shit. Oh What's the dumbest really thing you ever did? Climbed to the top of a bridge. Climbed up, like... Neil shaking his head, which you must have done this all hundred percent, right? dude. Like a train bridge, you go up to the yeah, very yeah. top, yeah, yeah, top, the top just hanging out at the top of the train bridge. Yeah, yeah, yeah. dude, you would have we all, you would have died. You you would have fall. You'd die. It yeah. probably happens all the time. And I, I'm not trying to be funny when I say that. But we would just be hanging out up there, sitting there talking, stepping from one side to the other. That was yeah. probably the dumbest. Through the rocks, shit. we'd go to a place with rocks and jump off down oh, yeah, below. Jump, like used to jump off these anybody could have jumped. You know, could have died, or if you, <laughs> didn't, you slipped, or you fell. Who was going to help you? You know. But it's yeah. interesting the emotion you had because you had to question. You know your childhood, but you stopped yourself and went like, "But is it, is this allowed?" That's right. Because right I was like, just I, like, "It's so." There's no weird other now. kids outside. <laughs> yeah, I don't yeah, think yeah. I. It's a good idea. Everything's organized. Everything's got to be a team sport with people that like. Yeah. It's just nothing. Yeah, and it, and it depends on where you live. Like, if you don't live in an area that's a walkable area or people around, then I guess, you know, it's different. Hanover, certainly. Now, do you guys live far? Do you guys live within the town? or you? No, yeah, I'm like 15 minutes north of Hanover. So you need a car. Oh, yeah. And, also, like, I'm out. I'm in a pretty rural area. So, like, my guys are, like, you know, they've always been kind of free-range kids, you know, like outdoors. You know, like, they've always been that type right but you're totally right like as far as like the like just getting out there and go and hopping on your bike and just be like all right you know i'll be back in like seven hours and everybody was fine with that um the just the i guess the culture of parenting is just like kind of different you know it'd be like i'd always worried that like somebody was going to be like this guy lets his kids He's a you know, meander yeah. about unsupervised. Like, I'm not going to be judged as a parent because, like, I trust yeah. my kids not to burn a building down. You know, That's so exactly right. they like right. just stay home. I don't know. You know, like they're outdoor. They're outdoor kids. They're involved in stuff like that. <laughs> they're cool. house cats. They're speaking trained. Of, they're yeah. <laughs> speaking of burning down buildings, like w- growing up, like once every several years, s- someone would burn down a field. Did that happen where you live? Yeah. Yeah, just, oh, yeah, so it's a burned out our, field. Our favorite what? thing was the Aquanet and a lighter. Did you ever do that to like the trees and you just like torch stuff? For the, I did that all the love time. fire. That's, yeah, yeah I, haven't grown up passage, absolutely. I haven't really grown up too much because like, <laughs> like, just, I was doing that right before. Yeah, no, just last, just last summer when we had the uh, the lantern fly invasion up here <laughs> where they like total dude like they i've never i've never quite experienced an insect infestation and my house was total like we couldn't go outside like it was literally raining nectar from these insects like it was full-on rainforest nice growth it was disgusting dude so like i was i was like hitting them with wiffle ball bats i was doing everything to kill these things <laughs> And uh, I I got a can of hairspray and just was like flamethrow torching 
these things. My kids were watching. They were like, we're allowed to do that. And I was like, no, only I'm allowed to do this. I don't blame you. They were disgusting. Now, did you grow up in Hanover or was that somewhere you moved? No, no, I grew up on Long Island. Um, Wow. Oh, my gosh. Okay. I was living in Vegas when I met my wife. She was on vacation. See, we did. I did something similar. We were in New York City, and then we moved to like northeastern Pennsylvania, upstate New York, northeastern Pennsylvania. So right you met line. your wife in Vegas? Yeah, she was on vacation. I was living there. And what were you doing out in Vegas? Like, how old were you at that time? What were you doing? Um, I moved out to Vegas in 2002, 2003. So, like, I don't know. What is that? I was like, I was like 24 years old, maybe. I don't know, maybe. Wow. Uh, I met her in, like, 2005. So I was just out there, like whatever, working in a group home, um, doing stand up, that type of thing, you know, just partying, whatever, uh, yeah. type of shit that you do in Vegas and you're, yeah. when you're in your early twenties, I guess, you know, yeah. uh, but like, wasn't really intending on, like, I didn't have any plans to like have a big family and, or anything like that, you know? Did, she, uh, did your wife have those kind yeah, of Yeah. Oh yeah. 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 She did. I came to find out like many, many years later after <laughs> uh, having been married to her, like we were at a wedding just like last year, maybe two years ago, we were at a wedding for one of her friends and like some old guy was there. He was like one of her friend's parents and he was talking to me. He was like, Oh, you know, Tara was always my favorite. You know, she used to talk about, you know, this guy's known her since high school. He's like, she used to talk about having like a great big family with a farm and animals. And I was like, this lady's like literally living her dream right now. <laughs> you know, <laughs> like I'm shoveling, like I'm the guy that shovels up the shit of her dream. You know, that's right? Like that's the, it. That's like when I'm you go to beach. those Mexican resorts, and like if you if you get up really early in the morning, you see them like with the zamboni in the sand, like you know, sweeping yeah, up yeah. all of the nastiness yeah, that it. nobody wants to see. Because by the time you go out for your morning, it's looking good. It's looking good. That's you. You're the. How guy. many animals do you have? I'm housekeeping for the dream. You're uh, you're the. You're uh, there are so many. There's 13 goats, which honestly, until yesterday, I I thought there were 12. Um, <laughs> he's like, I might have seven kids actually. Yeah. I don't know. Like, uh, there's so many of them and, and they're always in a herd, you know, they always do everything as a herd. They like work as a team to constantly try and escape their pasture. So like the last three weeks of my life has been like trying to figure out how to pen these sons of bitches in, uh, cause they do this like every couple of years. They like, they get feisty and they're old too. Like they're getting old. So but nevertheless, I'm counting them off because they were all in the front yard. And I was like, dude, why is there 13? You know, like, what the f- now does that put you to sleep like sheep or is that different? If you start counting goats, <laughs> do you just fall asleep? No, no, no. <laughs> I get to the point where I'm like, do I really even want to let them all back in? Can they just survive on their own? You need those goats that faint. You ever see those goats that go? I have. I have. Yeah, they're hilarious. It's probably best that I don't have a goat like that because it would have brain damage if it lived in this house. Right? Oh, sorry. Go ahead, go ahead. Well, they pass out, right? Like yeah, you, they you do. They get over, like, I think they just get overstimulated yeah. and it's just too much. No. And they well, I was going to ask you, what, what do you do with your goats? Like, are they just... Nothing, you, nothing. You don't, you don't, you don't just, eat them or anything like that? No. Uh-uh. Uh, they all have names. <laughs> like, I have no idea why they're here. No, nah, you can't. So like, it's like your pets. They're like pets, dude. It's a petting zoo around here that makes no money. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and so what's i found interesting so you were doing all these when you did the pop-ups you were talking about back in 2017 like mm-hmm. your kids were like you had all five kids at that point too mm-hmm. then. Yeah, it is little yeah they were little uh, you so go awesome. you, you, and the goats 
So like mm-hmm. at that time that you were like hustling and doing all of this and you were still a dad of like, that's yeah, well, I mean, that's back crazy. at that time I was even like, I was working full time too, you know, um, I was probably, I mean, I had, I had a, a very demanding job at that time, but when we first got started with the pop-up shows and stuff, <clears throat> um, you know, they were a little bit, they were smaller, they were younger. There was a little bit of more opportunity where they weren't so involved in the extracurriculars, man. Like the extracurriculars are unbelievable. The, the time yeah. demands that the schools, you know, I mean, I guess I don't remember, dude, like I played baseball. That was pretty much it. And like, it got to the point where I was like, yeah. I'd rather smoke cigarettes and chase girls. So, <laughs> you know, so like I was never totally committed. It never like, ruled my life like you know the sports does for these guys so like my folks got off kind of easy with me man uh having to drive around your your kid turned 16 you had him a pack of cigarettes here put down that cross but but it's also like a different world because you were able to like when i was younger you could ride your bike to practice right you could right and it sounds like you were doing that with your stranger things lifestyle but now your kids can't do that so they just need you to drive them no, and frankly, like I think about it, you know, for them to ride their bike to school, first of all, it would take forever because it's not like we're that close to the school. Yeah. But like, there's no, I don't know. I feel like when when I grew up, there was like the roads were wider. It just seemed like it was more, <laughs> yeah. it was more conducive to like kids living amongst. Like now, it's like there's no shoulder on no any shoulder. road. No, no, you. It's just weird, man. I don't know. It's just weird. I don't, I don't like when I grew up, I used to, we used to cut through everyone's backyard. You know, we like, if I saw, if you go cutting through, at least where I live now, like somebody's going to be like, you know, yeah, uh, right. your target practice, you go running through somebody's backyard. So it's just a weird, it's just a different, it's just different. I don't know. And even my friends back on Long Island, like they, it's the same thing. Like it's different everywhere. It's not just like it's different here. Um, we were just left to, to roam, dude. I don't know, man. Dude, I'm, uh, now do your kids, your kids obviously hang out at the, well, some of your kids hang out at the club, right? Cause I've mm-hmm. been there a couple of yeah, times. Seen them. And like, so some of them bought in, you have one of your sons is like really hardcore into it. Right. They're like, Oh, he loves it. He's got like favorite comedians. Uh, and they're not like famous comedians. They're, they're like comedians who have come through the club that like, he's gotten to know and he's talked to and so like, he's got like a list of his favorite comics. You know, it's funny. He's funny. He's gone to school as a comedian for career day, which was funny. Uh, he like went to school with one of my mics and, uh, I was like, what are you going to wear? He's like jeans and a hoodie, you know? (laughs) (laughs) That was cool, man. This year he was like, you think, I think I'm going to go with something different for career day. And I was like, honestly, if you're going to be a comedian, like you should probably have at least one backup plan anyway. So uh, maybe, maybe does, dress as something does else. He write jokes? Like, is he into being a comedian? Like he write jokes and stuff like that? Or he likes the, like the bit, the management. Nah, stuff, you know, like he's, club. he's done them. Like they have like sometimes before all you guys show up on nights, you know, like we'll do sound checks and we'll clean the club and you know, they'll go on stage and carry on and tell like, you know, corny, dad jokes type of thing okay. uh nobody's writing jokes like they tried to write them and i was like dude you need more you need way more work dude. Uh, <laughs> yeah you're like the dad like the dad coach that's like yo no you got to get down and feel the better <laughs> hey man it's a teaching comedy club man we're here to help people grow you know that's just because right. they're my kids like we're not we're no not gonna let them slide through no nah, no special treatment you got to be funny uh so and you never know dude like you know i i think i've 
just I, I like became enamored with stand up when I was probably like I don't know maybe like twelve or thirteen. Um, but I didn't actually like try it or do it until I was like twenty one. So you know how it goes. I mean, yeah. I, I, I probably have kids right now who show zero interest in it. But when they get a little older, who knows? You know, having access to the club is probably going to change their perspective. Because like I didn't grow up in a comedy club, so I don't know how they're going to relate to comedy as they start to get older. It should be interesting because they're all growing up around it. Uh, so it might be a little less glamorous than like for us, you know, we see it from the outside looking in these guys, they're seeing it from the inside looking out. So um, yeah. I'm not sure. We'll have to wait and see, you know, I just, I'm just glad that they like to spend time with me, uh, and like come <laughs> up and hang out. I'll take that as long as it lasts, you know, would you like to see one of your kids, um, take over at the satire when the, when the time comes or at some point? Oh, I would love that. Yeah, I would love that because that would mean I don't have to do it anymore. <laughs> I love He's like, I just want them to drive so I can go away. I want them to yeah, they got to yeah, licenses. Like, I'll take the, the beater. I'll be, I'll be out west. Yeah. This poor guy. Got, like, get me back to honest. Vegas. <laughs> I, I, I want to be – I'm a comic, dude. I wanted, I, I mean, I wanted to be a stand-up since I was 12 years but old. But what I love about your stand-up is your stand-up is a lot about your family. Oh yeah, definitely. But like, I I don't want to be a businessman. Like, it sucks, dude. I don't want to do that. I mean, yeah. stand up is a full time job of avoiding a full time job. So, <laughs> you know, and that's that's how someone told me that so many years ago, and I was like, yeah, dude, that's what I've been trying to do, man. Like, <laughs> I've been working on, <laughs> right? Like, okay, all right, this is this is the job for me. Uh, so like, that's what I really want. You know, everything else just sort of happened. Like, you know, you got to make money. You got to take care of your family, you know? So like you have a club, it's here. Let's make a couple of bucks. Let's try, you know, I'm opening up an ice cream store now. That's the next nice. thing next door. Good. So like, you just do whatever you got to do to, to make bucks and to pay bills and to stay afloat uh, while you pursue what it is that, you know, really drives you, which for me is just telling jokes, man. Like that's it on stage, one mic, like nothing really complicated. Uh, apart from that, for me, that's always what I've always wanted to do. So if I could pass up the club and it has like value for them, you know, by the time they have it, if it's something that they can own and, and provide for themselves and their friends, Oh my gosh, that would be amazing. I would love it. I'd love to open more than one. Um, and to have, you know, they, they could choose to be a part of it or not, but it would be awesome to make it an opportunity that as many of them as want to do it, could do it. That would be amazing. That's really cool. I mean, that's, that's, that's really, starting that is really cool. Yeah. Yeah, that's yeah. That that and then you said he's starting something. That's why I was asking you about like the pop up who was involved, because it sounds like you are amongst the forefathers of comedy in that area. Definitely, maybe in Hanover and in that little section of Pennsylvania and probably into Maryland. You're you you started it, right? I mean, you're, you're yeah. The- I mean, there's definitely not a lot here in South Central PA. Like, there's you know, there's been action in in uh, the Maryland area. Like Frederick isn't that far. It's about an hour from here, you know, like not quite straight South Baltimore's had activity comedy wise forever, you know, uh, Frederick's had, uh, uh, Ryan Nazer has been running cellar door down there for like a decade, you know? So like he's, he's been a hub down there for a lot of headliner shows and, but in South central PA, there's really been like nothing, you know, there's the Harris, there was the Harris, there's still the Harrisburg comedy zone up there in the mid state. Right. But there's like this huge chasm in South central Pennsylvania where like, there's just nothing, 
for this type of live performance. So when we started doing them, it was like, we were like, let's find anywhere that will let us have a comedy show. And it was a like, not an easy sell to, to have people like be down for it. Bars weren't really into it. Right. Uh, so our, our first real pop-up show here in South central PA <clears throat> was in a vape shop after they closed. <laughs> they would let us do right. shows yeah that's it was like right. and it you know like the first time we did it i was like this is such a waste of time you know <laughs> like I'm, it, it was just it was one of those moments where i was like you know i could have a real job right now yeah but you did it again yeah. you did it again yeah well we kept doing it and then i would say like we were putting 40 something people in that show dude it was like we didn't even have chairs for everybody um, it, it was so much fun. And then we started doing them in Gettysburg at a winery. And then, you know, we were doing like, we were live streaming shows years before the pandemic. We were doing outdoor shows before the pandemic. Like we were throwing this stuff together for years. We were doing this, um, just to be able to have comedy to try and install it into this area where like there was just a void, you know, and here I'm like, I got, I want to try and make a living out of this. Uh, I've, I've wanted to make a living out of this for, I've been doing this a really long time. And it was like, I'm just going to have to make opportunities, uh, rather than wait for opportunities. So as we did, and you, you get a lot of support too, from, from Hanover is yay or nay. You get a lot of support from the town. Yeah, I think so. I mean, it's been a struggle to like, to let everybody know that we exist, but advertising is so prohibitively expensive. Like I spent tens and thousands of dollars on advertising. And when people come in, they're like, Oh, we didn't know you were here. I'm like, I hate, I hate my life. I hate my you know? life. <laughs> the only thing not to say, if you show up to the church of satire is that, yeah, it's like, Oh, we didn't even know how long you've been here. And I'm like, dude, we're coming up on five years. Like for God's sake, man, there's, there's not that much here. Like, I don't understand yeah. how the that even shop happened. Yeah. Up. Yeah. In the shop, everyone would be like, Oh my God, the new pizza shop. Like, yeah. You know, like, how'd you guys miss me? Dude, well, I'm gonna open the ice cream store right next door and like that's watch right. it'll be like it'll be super popular in eight right. months and it'll have more attention than the club ever got just because <laughs> of them. I'm Did selling you know sweet. A club next door to this ice cream shop. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's exactly what? it. I know I'm actually gonna it's gonna be named Scoops of Satire. So <laughs> it's gonna have, go. it's gonna have oh, similar branding, you know, it'll be like two scoop minimum. Uh, <laughs> that's so funny. You know, it, the, it'll be, you know, guest feature, the headliner, you know, it'll be themed wow. sort of comedy ice cream type of thing in the hopes that when we look to really advance the brand, this is something that could pair uh, with any of them. And the, and the really the idea behind it was in the wintertime, we do really well at the club. Well, really well, you know, it's relative because it's a small place with no bar, but we do good ticket wise. We fill our room pretty regularly in the winter, but as the weather gets warmer, it's like, man, like it's tough. It's tough to, it's tough to make money. But in the summertime and in the warmer months, like an ice cream store would kind of go up, um, you, you know, so we might be able to sort of find some balance in terms of making a little bit of money throughout the whole year. Because uh, the warmer months are rough at the club, dude. Yeah. yeah. They're rough. That's, that's funny. For someone who's, who said that I, I don't want to be a businessman, I mean, that's some pretty good business acumen, I would say. I know. It was my daughter's idea. <laughs> <laughs> that's great. <laughs> <laughs> Dad, you yeah. have to diversify, first of all. Yeah, she's super smart. She's super smart. I'm like really hoping that she uh, 
kind of takes over as soon as possible. Yes. Um, <laughs> he's on the honor roll, you know. I'm like, yes. she's like, arguably, arguably on paper, she might even be smarter than me. So. I, like, I like the idea that she takes over and then I haven't been to church of satire yet, but if there was just a porch and you just finally retired and sat no, outside. She comes out, she's like, dad, you have a comedy club? Yeah. I had no idea. I know. Yeah. They'd be like, have you seen that guy that sits outside with like a large piece of straw sticking out of his mouth and sits? That'd be me. <laughs> so if you could, if you could open the second church of satire location or when you open, where, where do you think you would open it? Would you, I don't know. I mean, as, as much as I want to, I would love, I would love to have, uh, you know, more Pennsylvania. Uh, cause I, I like it in PA PA is cool, you know, and there's really, there's Pennsylvania is interesting because, uh, it's a big state and it's got these like three independent cultures in the Western central and Eastern part of the state. Like Philadelphia and Pittsburgh are literally on opposite ends of planet earth inside Pennsylvania. Yeah. which is unique. I mean, it's a unique thing. And like, I like that. I find that attractive to be able to explore Pennsylvania. The problem is that the liquor laws in Pennsylvania are what you would call archaic, right? I mean, yeah. um, to get a liquor license here is, it's just, it's, it's not, it's not realistic. So in all reality, we would probably be looking at like one of the neighboring States, uh, for something, you know, I mean, this is years away too, obviously, you know, yeah, like I've yeah. got a five-year plan, a 10-year plan uh, type of situation. And that's really more of the 10-year plan uh, to, to start thinking about that because they would have to be like considerable interest in the brand. But at the same time, like I've had calls from Vegas, Boston, New York City, New Orleans being like, we would love to have one of those down here, you know, the concept and everything, yeah. um, which is great, but it's like, all right, well, throw some thousands and hundreds and thousands of dollars at me and I'll come down there. But you know, not, I haven't had anybody so committed in the brand that they were willing to oh. invest in one of those areas, but. Uh-oh. Yeah, I might. Did I lose you guys? Oh. You guys still there? Wait, yeah, we're coming back. Yeah, there we go. If you can hear me, okay. You're yeah. moving. Oh wait, here we go. Yeah, I hear you. Yeah, there we go. Okay, can you I can us? hear you. Yeah. Yep, I can see okay. you too. Yeah. Cool. All right. Good. All right. That so was it. Cut out right as you were saying that you got calls from Vegas. Yeah, and yeah, Vegas. Yep. Wanting. Yeah, I've had I've had like people who have come down and comedians that have come through. You know, have been like, oh, that'd be amazing. And and you guys have been there. It's like uh, you know a lot of the thing that comedians enjoy about it is a lot of the things um that are sort of driven by a place that's kind of run by comedians you know um so there's been folks who've had a really good time and then they've gone back to their city and been like man our city could use something like this when you know maybe what their city could use is a club where people take care of people it's really less of it being church of satire so much as it's like a place where people come and they feel the way that they do uh when they come to our club but you know i guess those are also at odds with making money sometimes so um you know for what that's worth <clears throat> but i think that's why some of these places have called asking like oh we want one of those in our town it's like you know you could just have one you know it's <laughs> you yeah. do it 
it's not impossible, you know, like I'm not that bright. It's not like it's impossible to do. <laughs> no, dude, honestly, you know, because the difference is, like you said, like it's for the love of the game. You're doing this because you've been enamored with comedy and it's about you and a mic and getting on stage and you've created that space, but you've also allowed others uh, like Darnell and Tom to, to take ownership of that within your own club. Like that's that, that, that's what they want. If they say they want a church of satire, they they're trying to create a culture of what it is yeah. you're doing there. Yeah. You can give them the backdrop and the set and all of that, but they're going to mess it up. Like all those people who do bar rescue and the minute John Taffer's <laughs> out, the place falls to shambles. Cause the reality is it's about the behind the scenes stuff and the attitude of the people there. Cause yeah, that's what it's about. Well, because yeah, it wouldn't you don't be like a corporate thing. It wouldn't be like a corporate thing. Sorry to cut you off, but it wouldn't be like corporate. You're not corporate. You're a com comedy club, like we keep on saying, ran by comedians. You're not playing the corporate game. But sometimes when the corporate game gets in these clubs, they, not it's they like can't Wayne's do world. what you can it's do. It's Wayne's World, yeah. where, which is Wayne's yeah. World too. <laughs> yeah, yeah, those places make money though. You know, I think that's like, that's the, you know, I don't know. Like if somebody came to me and was like, I'll give you $2 million for the brand. I'd be like done. I mean, I wouldn't, <laughs> I wouldn't even hesitate. I'd do it in a minute, you know, mm -hmm. because you have like pressing things piling up, you know, how much work comes into it. I think when you try and help someone to understand like how much work goes into creating a culture, like you have to help someone understand that like everything you do has to be in service to that culture that you're trying to build. So like, I'll talk a lot, I'll talk a big game about like developing talent and giving people opportunities and, you know, trying to create a scene that grows itself by getting newer comedians excited about comedy so that, you know, they can continually bring, you know, their new friends to the club to create new clients for the future. Like that commitment, like it never goes away. It's like constantly working on that, constantly trying to live up to it, you know? So when I take chances on people, you know, who maybe haven't never had a chance to headline, uh, I do that at a risk. I mean, they, no, people may not turn out for that person that, you know, perhaps doesn't have a lot of impressive credits, but like, that's a risk I'm willing to take because, I say that I'm the type of person that's going to give people opportunities that maybe they wouldn't get elsewhere. So the cost for me sticking to my word is perhaps I got to eat it and lose money, which I guess I don't see that as that big of a, I mean, it's a gamble, whatever. I mean, I was born in Vegas and lived in Vegas. That gambling's in my blood, man. Like I'm, I'll roll the dice whenever I get, a, I get a rush out of it, and we do that all the time. You know, like Tom said that his goal was he wanted to produce a show, so it was. I saw it as a point of pride to do everything that I could to help him, sort of realize what it is that he was what he was looking to do. And we gave him the space to get creative and make mistakes and, you know, learn from those mistakes. And now one year later, his third Wednesday showcase was packed this month. Awesome. That's awesome. So you really pride yourself in being like a, you're, you're a mentor and you, you like, like bringing people up and opening doors for people. So you're not just owning a comedy club. You're, you're into like helping people rise up and get closer to their dreams as well. Yeah, that's always been something that I think almost like a default. I, I never really had a motivation to be that type of person. But like as I went through my career in healthcare and management roles, uh, that was fun. Like I got a lot, I got a lot of, of satisfaction and gratification out of like watching other people advance themselves. You know, like 
helping them to get promoted. You know, I used to tell other, other corporate executives, like, if you're not training someone to take your place, like, what the hell are you doing? Like, you know, how do you even drag yourself out of bed in the morning? Like, yeah. I guess yeah, you're going right. to do this job forever. Like everywhere I went, I was like, soon as somebody's ready to replace me, I'm out of here. You know? <laughs> so I would, tr- I would train people, you know, everywhere I went. I don't know. I just got a lot of, I got a lot of positive feedback about it. I still do that. I do that. Um, I have like a private consulting company where like, I'll just, you know, I have a couple of companies on retainer where, you know, I just, it's an open line of communication for their managers to call me. And, you know, if they've got like problems with a coworker or, you know, Hey, I did what, how should I handle this situation? You know, like I, I help develop managers for like two or three different companies right now. And I just like it, man. Like, I don't know when they call me, I help them work through their troubles. They'll call me back a year later and be like, Hey man, I want to really thank you. You know, like I got two promotions since then. Um, that means a lot, not even just at the club. Like, I, I don't know. Um, that's a mentality. Like I know as a teacher, I always yeah. said I wanted to be a teacher. Cause I was like, if I'm climbing up the mountain, I'm looking behind me to see who I can grab and pull up with me. And if I went and got any knowledge, then I felt compared to share, share it. And that feels like it feels like that's your attitude. Is like I mean, I mean, in corporate America, the, the things you said about training someone to take your place and like move them up and move yourself out and up and over, what have you. I mean, the, I think the companies that are most successful have that mentality. In comedy, you won't find many people who say, <laughs> "I want to help people better their career." Especially people who you know own clubs and are, are in charge of things like, yeah. to that magnitude. So I would take, I would make that like a hats off moment. That's a beautiful fucking statement because you don't hear that much in this circle and in this this world of comedy that we're in. Yeah, well, I mean, I appreciate that. I, I mean, as, as a club owner and as somebody that like books people, uh, you know, I do see it as I do see it as a point of pride. I, I mean, I do my best to 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 lift people up and to promote folks. And I mean, I'm sure I haven't like met all the check marks, you know, as far as like uh, being a, a booker, but like, I do try, like I do, I do try my best to do it. Now as a comic, I don't want any of you to succeed. I want all the bookings. Uh, I'm, I'm jealous of your success. Uh, I'm envious of all of the things that I don't have. Right. Like I, I have, I, I understand that mindset of, you know, not hating on others, but but being like, man, I want this super bad too, you know, like, yeah. you know, I want, I understand that thinking, but, but as a person put in a position to organize shows and to put on shows, I want to take that opportunity to like put on good shows, but also like put on shows where there are people who their first headlining experience was at church of satire and they've gone on to be very successful and nationally known. And, and that, that, that's, that's awesome. You know, that, yeah, that you don't know you can really do 45 minutes until you've done 45 minutes. Yeah. And there's a lot of comedians out there right now that like they're sitting at home being like, I got an hour. And it's like, no, you don't, dude. I promise you, you don't. Um, now, some of you do, obviously, and, and you're awesome, whatever. Uh, and you've probably been to the club. But there's somebody right now that's like I telling they're telling somebody they have an hour and they've got like 11 minutes of solid stuff. Um, so. Yes. Where, you know, whatever it's, but then there are others who they do have 45 minutes, but they don't have any justifiable reason to demand that position. And it's like, who's going to give them a chance? Yep. I'll, I'll roll the dice. What's the worst that can happen? I lose a couple hundred bucks. Like whatever, dude, I'll go help some manager sift through their timesheets and I'll make that money back. 
you know, I'll find some other way to make that money back. I'm not going to uh, like, there you go. Over that. I'll figure that's it a out. Beautiful fucking statement. Thank you. I would say thank you as a comedian. Thank you. And you, you gave, yeah. you know, Jay and I had gone to your mic a few times. We exchanged a couple emails and you gave us opportunities at your club. And I'm thankful. Yeah. yeah you wrote me a, you wrote me a letter in the mail. That's why you I got, I, I was like, right, I guy, did. Holy shit. A letter. I haven't opened yeah, a letter. I don't right, even open bills. That's right. <laughs> now everybody knows my trick. Okay. I'm busted. No, that's right. I did Sorry. write you a letter in the mail. Yeah. That's right. No, really it was cool. very, you know, and sometimes as a comedian, like if there's any comedians out there that are like listening or, and that, you know, um, it's just like any other job, man. Like it, you've got to look at it from like a, 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 like a, a multi-dimensional approach. You know, uh, I think that when you sent that letter, you probably recognized that like, he probably doesn't get these very often. This is going to change yeah. his, it's going to change his eye level a little bit. It's going to make me stand apart, not ahead of, but apart from the crowd. And that's exactly what it did. I opened up that letter and I was like, no way, a letter. It's awesome. Um, yeah. Hey, so I, I used a good, I used a nice pen too. I remember I used, I used a, a nice, nice pen. pen. That was a good ink, brother. Yeah, uh, it was, was on nice. like it was on paper, like like, like a thicker paper like stock. Nice paper. Yeah, yeah. Paper yeah. Stock. You right. have it in your office, don't you? Have it pinned up against the wall in your office? <laughs> yeah, maybe. Next year's really know. fast yeah. fish. Yeah. My, but, but you know what? Though, in all reality, though, like my point, my point is that. Um, it, it left an impression, right? Like your yeah, comedy yeah. and your guys' personality. I've worked with you both now. You know, you're people that I enjoy the presence of, which I have the luxury of being like, you know what, That's that matters. That's something that I can quantify. Um, people get booked back at the club, not just because they're funny. They get booked because they're reliable, they're on time, they're consistent, they're yeah. good to be around. Like all of those things matter, and I'm because I'm in charge, I get to I get to use them as criteria, which makes a lot of our experiences together at the club very favorable. Because I'm filling it with transient personnel that I've got positive experiences of in the past, right? Um, every now and again, somebody comes in, I never met them before, you know, they bring their own feature and I'm just like, Jesus, I'm never having them back. Uh, and I'll put a little red mark in the calendar so I can remember like this week it sucked. Uh, but those are few and far between and as, as we go every year, we meet new people. Like I meet guys like you guys that, that you'll definitely be back to the club. Um, and it's a combination of things. So like comedians, it's not just about being super funny. I, I know that that's obviously part of the gift, but most of us have it. Um, there's other elements where like, I know some funny people that can't be on time. They yeah. just can't be on time. Yeah. And like, not for nothing. I'm not trying to take my sweatshirt off and go do a half an hour, 45 minutes when I wasn't thinking about, I wasn't trying to, you know, like the crowd yeah. bought tickets to see some, but like, so, you know, that stuff, you know, it, it adds up, you know, and it makes it harder to take chances on folks when there's other people lined up. Well, you know, Yoder, you, you are one of the better comedians I know at taking it as a career, like a job, not a career, a job. well, I guess both a job. You set time apart to do your things. Yeah. You, I'm you're very on the road a lot. lot. Those, like, you, I mean, I look at Jim. Marketing, like, shit like that. Yeah. Like, you when I look at someone serious. like Jim, when I've met Jim before, we had done a, a show before I, I met him at Church of Satire and I just, it stood out. Like that's apparent when people are like that. You instantly know, like you and I met in the same kind of circumstances. Yeah. You just see when people take it seriously. And, and like, you know, Jim has said earlier in the episode, he's like, I'm just trying to find a way to keep doing this as the full-time gig. And I'm, I'm in that same boat and I love being around 
people who have that mentality uh, because it's contagious. Yeah, and I hate. I do not like when people are not on time. That drives me up a fuck. So I'm the same way. I can't imagine booking a show or booking shows plural, and it's like seven minutes, and the person's not there. At some point, you're like, yeah, "What the fuck is going so on?" Rough, right? That's you know? gotta be no, so mentally taxing. It is. It's one of the most stressful things. And I do have a couple of bookers, you know, that I'm friends with, and we can talk and gripe, you know, a little bit. There should be like a booker, like a booker's support group, uh, <laughs> you know. Uh, and I know that there are there are shitty bookers out there, you know. I know there are, but there are also some really good ones, you know, that are like really just trying to put on good shows, and you know, maybe they're using it as an opportunity to get on stage themselves, which. You know, I don't have a problem with as long as the person is like growing as a comic and not just looking to eat minutes on a show type of thing. Um, but, uh, you know, there's a lot of motivations to be a booker and there are really bad ones, but there are good ones, too. So it's nice as a booker and as a producer to like have some people that you can talk to to be like, oh, my God, two people were late tonight. One person didn't show tonight, you know, and it's like, ah, oh, you need like, a, you need a sympathetic. To yep. hundred percent. You, know, you got to vent just like any other workplace, I guess. And yeah, like I used to do them once or twice a month, dude. Now it's like every single weekend, it never ends. It's one after another, after another. And it's like, Oh my God, dude, I can't, well, this is driving me crazy. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's a, for love of the game thing and that's it. So I'm excited uh, for that. What's the, let's, let's plug the, the church for like the website. Is it just uh, church of satire, comedy club.com. That's it. Yeah. Awesome. All the and events are on there. You're 12 months a year, right? I mean, yeah. Oh yeah. Well, we're probably going to close in August. Uh, oh, summertime's yeah. going to get pretty wild. We're going to like lower ticket prices as the summer progresses. Um, we're going to do a lot of like shared profits with, uh, comedians, you know, like, so there's going to be opportunity, you know, if, if we hustle and a show sells out, like people can make decent money, but like, there's also, you know, if everybody's jet skiing, like what the hell am I supposed to do about it? You know, it's like, I can't kidnap them from the lake to bring them out. Like summer's tough, man. So we'll stay afloat, but like August, we're going to close. We closed last August, uh, just to like recharge. We still did the stuff during the week. We just didn't do the headliner shows in August. Cause I lose money. Like losing money every now and again is one thing losing money for like an entire calendar month. Like that's tough, man. No, that's that's, tough. Not, that no, that's it, smart. Yeah. That's smart. No, that's awesome. Yeah. Plus, you know, it's nice to just recharge. You know, sure. I usually try to fill my calendar with, with shows in the summertime too. Uh, but that's another balance, you know. It's like I can't be running off doing shows nonstop. Like I got to be at the club, you know. Darnell and Tom, they want to, they want to be comedians too, you know. Like they want to yeah. be out there hustling and stuff. So, yep. you know, on months like for March, for example, it's like, dude, I'm I got one booking. So you guys go out and you guys go out and book as many as you want. You know, I'm gonna be here, uh, and then you know, I'll I'll put a blast out. Hey, book my guys. They're funny, whatever. Um, just another opportunity, at least for me, like trying to trying to create some opportunities for others because I feel like I've been pretty blessed with opportunities, even though I like selfishly want more opportunities. Um, you know, I don't have a nine to five and I get to tell jokes and that's that's that's, that's a really awesome. Beautiful. You know, and, that, and the club's always like Mondays. You have the open mic, mon- you know, Monday Nitro is it's pay as you it's pay what you want. And like what? Same with Wednesdays, right? You have the podcast. Yeah, pay what you want. Thursday podcast. Everything during the week is pay what you want. And like some nights, you know, 
some nights we make a couple of bucks, you know, most nights we don't, but I look at it as advertising, like rather than spending all this money to be on the, to be on uh, an advertisement that hasn't done anything for us. Like we're just going to be open more yep. selling a good product Proof's for people to see, yep. you know, yeah. so we make it a free event so that like, you know, everyone can just come. It gives them a reason to come, you know, moth to the light bulb type of situation. And if we can get them in, the club is clean. It looks like a city club, you know, at nice. production yes. value yes. is through the roof. Production value is very high. I just got to get them in. So that's really the the thinking process behind free shows is, you know, we're not going to make, we weren't planning on making anything anyway, but if they come here and they see this place is awesome, maybe they get on the website, they buy tickets to see a weekend show. Then yeah. that was, that was a successful evening. Yeah. Uh, even though they didn't pay anything, yep. you know, they might be customers that buy 10 tickets a year. Yeah. If you it's earn, a couple, it's that customer. Price. Yeah, exactly. I got people who like, experience. they've been coming for years. I got people who like the club is, is their go-to thing for leisure now. Oh, yeah. And they'd never even been to a comedy club before. So very exciting. It's nice to see that the community in that regard has been pretty awesome because Hanover don't like change, man. Hanover's not like a place. Hanover's like, you know, we don't, <laughs> Hanover's don't like change, man. there you go. They don't like change, but they've been cool with us. You know, like what? What's not to be cool about? Hey, gonna like no comedy club. I'm about to be the only comedy club and the only ice cream shop in downtown, and the oh. only ice cream shop. Take that, Royal yeah. Farms. I'm gonna be a robber baron before you know it. <laughs> right, well, Al, any final closing thoughts? Uh, I mean, I dig it, man. I, I think highly of you. I think highly of the Church of Satire. I God bless you with all those kids and those goats. Um, I know nothing's a short ride and you're balancing, but it sounds like you're doing a hell of a job. It also sounds like your, your parenting style and that fatherhood approach has followed you into comedy and over there at the church of satire. And, uh, I'm a fan, bro. I like it, dude. Oh, yeah, I, like I was the club. watching your YouTube. Yeah. Too. I'm a fan, man. I like it all, brother. This is great. I appreciate you guys, man. Yeah. You guys are cool. Thanks for having me on. Oh, I can't thank you enough, Jim. Thanks for stopping by. Yeah, no doubt, guys. Keep in touch, man. Let's get together sometime. Tell some yes, jokes. Please do. Hell yeah. Absolutely. All right. Thank you for listening to the dads for once. Give these daddies a break. And maybe follow, subscribe, like, and comment to the dads on Instagram and YouTube at Seriously Dad Pod. Rate and review Seriously Dad Podcast on Spotify, iTunes, Amazon Music, and everywhere you get your podcasts. Seriously, Dad! How you doing? This is Neil Wood from the Cult of Us podcast. Speaking on behalf of Drop 10 Media Network, the network you're currently listening to. Make sure to check out all the other podcasts on the network. You can go to drop10.com to check them all out. Make sure to like, subscribe on everything that you see Drop 10 on. We appreciate it. Go to drop10.com now. This has been a Drop 10 Media Production.